This is Consciousness Experiencing Itself as Android Jones, and you're listening to Entheonation with Lorna Leon. Welcome to Entheonation, where we feature visionaries who are pioneering the cutting edge of awakening. Psychedelic science, modern shamanism, neuroscience, new paradigm lifestyles. Get ready to harness the power of visionary states and forge reality into your wildest dreams. tribe of Entheo Nation. This is Lauren Liana here, and on today's episode, we have the amazing visionary artist, Android Jones, who's going to share with us his connection to the unseen world, his experiences with non-ordinary states of consciousness, and how visionary states inspire his art. In this conversation, he shares with us his quintessential death experience, what it's like to communicate with entities, and how he expresses archetypal love in works of art that transform the heart, soul, and mind of those that experience his digital paintings. Now, in addition to creating moving works of visionary art, Android is creating immersive visual masterpieces in virtual reality. I had the unforgettable opportunity to view the trailer to a 360-degree visual experience called Samskara at Burning Man, and this visual experience is now being condensed by Android for use with VR headsets. So stay tuned, folks, for when that comes out. But for now, if you want to experience Samskara on YouTube, you can find a video embed of the showing at the Fisk Planetarium in Colorado on our show notes at entheonation.com slash 19. Before we hop into this interview, I do want to let you know that we feature a variety of psychedelic tracks, shamanic journey music, and ceremonial songs from musicians in our visionary community at the end of every episode. So I want to encourage you to stick around until the end to discover tunes that you can trip to. I recently discovered an artist called Atia, and I can't wait to share my favorite track of his from his new album called Depth of Perception. I also want to thank those of you who took the time to download, rate, and write a review about Entheonation on iTunes, like this one from Mind Expanding Paradigm Shift, who says, There is a longing within all of us for communion with others with a large vision, engaged in furthering evolution of consciousness and expansion of worldview. After listening to the first two episodes, especially on Alex and Allison Gray, I was extremely inspired and left with the realization that Entheonation was such a community, albeit virtual, where one could experience fulfillment of that longing. Yes, that's indeed the intention of this show, to create a global community of visionaries pioneering the cutting edge of awakening. Visit entheonation.com to check out the amazing thought leaders, artists, and musicians who have contributed their life's work to this endeavor. I am so grateful to you all. I do want to apologize for the sound quality of this interview. This interview was done in Costa Rica right before Envision Festival. Even though we were inside my hotel room, there is significant ambient noise, including construction from the property next door. There really wasn't anywhere else we could go that was more quiet than my room, so this was the best that we could do. If you find this interview too difficult to follow, then I invite you to head over to the show notes at entheonation.com slash 19 and sign up to access our transcript library so you can read the content of this interview at your own leisure. Now on to the show. If you would like to receive a free transcript of this episode, it is super easy. Simply text Entheonation, that is E-N-T-H-E-O-N-A-T-I-O-N, to the number 44222. Just reply to the SMS with your best email to get access to premium content that's only available to bona fide citizens of Entheonation. 
If you like this episode, I would so appreciate it if you would take the time to rate and review the show in iTunes, as this will increase Entheo Nation's visibility in the iTunes marketplace and help get this life-changing information out to the people who need it. Now on to the show. Hello, visionary people of Entheo Nation. This is Lorna Liana. And today, I'm very honored to be here with one of my favorite visionary artists who goes by the name of Android Jones. Android, I would love for you to share with us your evolution as a visionary artist and what led you to create the holographic images that you are so well-known for. Sure. Well, you know, I think I might... It's easy to categorize and kind of fall under the visionary art title. I think for clarification's sake, I don't necessarily consider myself to be a visionary artist. I go by the term electromineralism. Um, I define it more by the, the medium and the tools that I use, which are electricity and laptops, which are made of minerals like silicon, magnesium, and quartz crystals. So the visionary, I fit really well into the, in the visionary family and community because I found that different kind of chemical tools and art supplies have definitely added a lot to expand my experiences, but not necessarily, I, I don't really work from a, a visionary state. It's actually more of a, the different types of chemicals can induce a deeper sense. They kind of create a clearer channel. They get a lot of me out of the way and uh, kind of a deeper sense of intuition takes over, but I never really work from uh, per se, like a vision. My imagination isn't visual. So there's no real visions that I'm seeing that I'm creating. And hence, I would, it would be inauthentic to consider myself a, a visionary artist. Hmm. So what inspires your art? Well, I'm a deep lover of humanity. I'm a big believer in the power of two-dimensional and three-dimensional images to have a really drastic change in people's consciousness. I have seen the reaction people have to art, you know, starting my whole life, you know, when I was a, a little boy, I saw the reaction that my mom had and my dad had when I made art for them. And I saw the reactions people would get to my art when I was in elementary school. And it was, I got enough positive feedback from those reactions to see that it was something worth pursuing. And I think it's really seeing what kind of the community and the world, the positive effects that art can have, the way it can change people's minds and their thought processes. And so that's always been really inspiring me to kind of use art as a tool to communicate deeper messages and empower people and make us feel more connected. So I'm curious to know what your early art was like, because, um, you know, one, one thing that I, I would say that seems to almost be a, a signature of yours are these images where, you know, they seem to represent these beautiful otherworldly entities where when you look at them in one way because of the, I guess, the holographic medium or the, mm -hmm. or the uh, in which they are imprinted on, you look at them one way, it looks like it could look like a beautiful, like, geisha mm -hmm. um, woman, and another way it could easily be a Hindu deity. So... Was there any type of experience that you had in your journey as a human being, you know, exploring the creative realms that caused you to shift from an older style to this, you know, signature style that you, you seem to have right now? It's an interesting question. You know, kind of going back to experiences when I was really younger in my childhood, I had a pretty, pretty interesting young adult life, but. Some of my earliest memories are actually of, they're kind of there, you know, it's hard to discern whether these are uh, memories of actual events or memories of, of dreams that I had, but I definitely had um, some pretty, pretty clear visions of an interaction with some type of, uh, I guess I'd call it like an entity. You know, I was only like five or six, so I don't know if it was a, an alien or something interdimensional, or it was just a dream that I had about that. But I mean, really clear visions of these like, small bluish creatures that would come and visit me. And uh, I used to kind of think that it was might, might have been just a dream that I had. And, you know, you never know how we're kind of indoctrinated with pop culture and propaganda of aliens and 
TV and film, which may or may not be true or disinformation, but I remember going back into a series of drawings that my mom held on to me in Colorado when I went back and I looked at some, she had this whole stockpile of, of drawings that I did back at that time and I found this one drawing of, it was kind of, there was two drawings, one was, it was kind of on a, a flat horizon, kind of like a side view, and one was me and this particular small little bluish entity that I remember having this dream of. And then the next drawing in succession, it was the same horizon, the same little house was me kind of like kneeling down inside of a, a giant triangle. And there was like this rainbow that was coming out of my, like the center of my stomach, like into the ship. And I was like flying through the ship over the horizon. And I don't have any memory of ever like drawing that image, but I remember seeing that and it definitely, I don't know made me start putting more things and made me start questioning a little bit more of my, my upbringing and what I remember and what I don't remember. And uh, the, the caveat between this two, when I was 11, I had a, I had a major brain surgery for a, a venous anomaly, which kind of turned into a blood clot. And so I had to do like a, a pretty severe brain operation at the time. And after that event, a lot of the memories I had as a child kind of wiped out some of the hard drive. So a lot of my childhood is is something that has been partially like relearned and remembered through stories and looking at photographs of myself. You know, a lot of it I don't remember it. It isn't. You know, I've kind of pieced together an identity through that, but it's not something that's like solid and internal that I can reference all the time. Mm. Do you still see the blue entities? Is it something that you have a continued relationship with? You know, I mean, no, I haven't really. Not in any sort of like visual sense at all. You know, I've seen little lights in the sky, like I'm sure a lot of people have. I'm the kind of guy that likes evidence. I don't know what those would be. I wouldn't call them UFOs or not. You know, I think a lot of what we see up there is probably stuff that our government has created. You know, with I can't imagine with all of the all the technology and cameras and iPhones out there, the fact that we don't have any like really hard videos or evidence of anything over the last 50 years is that in itself is kind of an evidence maybe against that. But, you know, I'm also open to the idea that this might be something that's more interdimensional in nature, or it's a mystery that may lie beyond the limits of our own consciousness to really understand. I've had an experience maybe in 2006, 2007, I was doing some meditations, doing a, I went to a Qigong workshop on this specific type of meditation that you would do to kind of channel uh, different entities. And, um, I, I went to the workshop it was in, I think it was in, in Emeryville or in, uh, Berkeley. It's like a two day workshop and all these people would start going into these really crazy trances. And I, I'm not really much of a meditator and I, nothing really came through with me at the workshop. And I kind of left thinking that it was, that these people were probably just crazy or hallucinating or delusional. And then I was at a, I was at a festival out in, uh, I think it was in Oregon at this emergency festival and it was kind of the middle of the night and I was out in the middle of the forest and I was kind of at a mouth. I figured I didn't have anything to lose and I kind of, I went in and I did all the motions of the meditation. You have to, um, you do this specific posture and you have your hands in this one specific mudra and you, you make a, you have, I guess the key is you have to make a genuine request. And so you make a genuine request. You state like your full name, like I, Andrew Peter Jones, genuinely like, request to make contact with the Tiangong satellite. And it's like, as the syllables of the last word were leaving my mouth, like a satellite, and it just, something came like into my whole body and it, it came through at first. And it was like this just unbelievable vibration of energy. And it was like it came into my body and it, it, as soon as it was in there, after like the last syllable was spoken, it went up and down like it was experimenting with like the scales of what my voice was like capable of. Like it kind of went up and down and did like the whole scales to highs and low notes. And kind of for the next five or six hours, I was, I guess what you would call kind of channeling. I was like, got very specific direction to like, engage with individuals i'd have to like ask them if they wanted a transmission and if they agreed to it this like sing songy 
kind of insecto Icarus ayahuasca voice would like give them some like deep piece of wisdom that they needed in their life. And that lasted for, like I said, four or five hours and it slowly started to trickle off. So I don't know what that was. That was something, you know, (laughs) I didn't get like a, it didn't leave a calling card behind or anything or any more information. And I haven't really gone. That's happened a couple of times, never as that severe or, or that intense, but it gave me enough, you know, like I said, it's not, that's not really any kind of like objective evidence for other people. But for myself, I know that that was not something that I readily had an explanation for. It definitely, you know, hinged on more of a supernatural, interdimensional kind of element of consciousness coming through. Wow, that that's pretty intense. And and this yeah. all happened within this retreat, a retreat-like environment. I know, at a festival. At a music, festival, music okay. Festival. Music, yeah, okay, wow. music festival. Huh, okay, yeah. wow. And there was no entheogenic agent that could have been a catalyst for this? or uh, I don't know if I want to comment on that necessarily, but I've done it, almost every entheogenic agent that can be around, and none of them have ever. <laughs> there, could, there, there definitely could have been a catalyst. You know, There might have been a cocktail of catalysts, but I've gone to the bar a lot, and nothing like that's ever happened before. You know, If anything, there might have been something. I think whatever the catalyst may have been, the catalyst would have been something that had actually put me in a state of humility to be able to make the sincere request. Like when I was probably taking the workshop, I was too much of me, too much in my head, too much of like judging other people and uncomfortable. And I probably had a mental story like this isn't going to work. And so I wasn't really an authentic state. And uh, I kind of theorized that, you know, because of, you know, maybe being in some type of under the influence of something out there, like whatever my state of mind was that, you know, an entheogen might've like gotten me to a place where I actually made like the humble request, but whatever came through was completely unfamiliar to me and has never happened before under any type of influence of any substance. Mm, and has that particular entity ever returned to you to communicate or it, it's come through a couple times just in the uh like the vibrational sense um like it'll, i'll kind of like do the scales and do like some singing but it's never came through on the level of approaching individuals and giving them this like spoken word like i said insect alien poetry life Guy, it's never been like the interdimensional life coach mode like it was that night. <laughs> wow. So the entities that you are known for creating in your art, do you think that they exist in some way in another world or dimension? Do you feel like that they coming through and being expressed uh, through your art, do you think that gives them life or do you think they already exist? Or That's an interesting theory. I've heard from people's experience, like I've, there's some images that I've done that weren't necessarily, like I said, it it wasn't like I saw it in a dream or a vision. You know, a lot of the images I'm making, they, they really appear to me in this, in the creative state of making them. There's not a lot of like preconceived ideas that go into it. I really try to approach most of my images with a completely blank digital canvas and mental canvas and kind of let whatever wants to come out, come out through intuition and music and whatever the external influences are around me at the time. But I have had the experience of people seeing some of the images. There's one, uh, this one image like wander awake. I did that was, did maybe I think I finished that one in like, it was new year's like 2008, 2009. And, uh, I've had a lot of people tell me that after seeing that image, that it came alive, like in their dream space or in their meditation space as like a, realized three-dimensional world this character came in and talked to them so i think a lot of these images can be like triggers for other people's subconscious you know Mm -hmm. on a suggestible level but i don't have the experience of any of these really like existing prior to my creating them like i wouldn't necessarily consider myself to be like a you know, the interdimensional, like, stenographer or sketch artists of other entities, like, on a literal sense, I think that there is a, there's kind of like a universal creative spirit that's alive and conscious. And if I can create the right type of conditions around me that I 
have a probably more access to that to that kind of energy to, to come through when I'm in a place of like you know kind of full surrender and not fighting and kind of being at one with that moment you know but that's kind of like riding a that's like surfing like a huge wave you know you can kind of position yourself and kind of wait and see if it comes and then sometimes you're riding the wave and it's it's kind of like lucid dreaming when you get into those sort of states it's like the moment you realize that it's happening sometimes you can get so excited that it's happening that the wave dissipates and sometimes you just try to ride it as long as you can how long does it take for you to complete a piece it's weird i don't know that seems i'm always surprised that's the number one question if i if i aggregated all the questions people asked about my art that would be the 90 percentile of all questions or how long that it takes and it's something i don't really keep a lot of track of they're all really different sometimes you know it's different the usually like the the for the general like you know, the main sort of like momentum of a piece, like the initial inspiration, you know, there's different stages. There's this, when it's first starting off, there's like a very energetic, dynamic, kind of like vibrant, just kind of explosion of colors and shapes and lines and forms that happen at the beginning. And I would say that would constitute 90% of the finished image. And that could take two, three, four hours to five or six or eight hours within that state. And like I said, that's 90% of like probably the, the visual real estate on a piece. But, you know, the fine tuning, like the mastering of an image, like once that explosion of creativity is finished, then, you know, the, the details and bringing all the different elements together and, you know, finding and kind of exploring like a narrative to get it into a finished product, that'll take 90%, 900% more time than that. I'll take 90% of the entire image time, which can take weeks or months, you know, some pieces I'll start and, uh, you know, often like multitask different pieces, just depending on what, what radio station I want to kind of tune into at the time and, um, what, when it feels appropriate to work on something. So let I me, mean, I've finished some pieces in the night I've some, and some pieces have stretched on to six months to 12 months to, until they kind of gestate and they're ready to be released. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the more exciting projects that you're working on? Let's see. Well, I mean, the bigger, one of the bigger projects that I have right now is I live in Colorado and uh, I live on a farm out there and we're in the process of doing some renovations and converting the farm, getting a, working on like a big solar panel array to take our barn and all the printers and tools and laptops and monitors off grid. I'm really excited about, you know, since I'm an electro mineral artist, electricity is kind of the main vein. So I'm excited about the purification of my medium and seeing what will come out once all the energy is like directly coming from the sun, you know, and that's kind of a long-term project to get this piece of land. You know, I don't like the word, I don't like permaculture. I don't like, I mean, I like the principles of permaculture or sustainability, but I believe in entro- the entropy of the universe and that nothing is sustainable or permanent. So, and I think culture is kind of the enemy. So no, none of those words really work for me, but I, li- I just like the word responsibility. You know, I want to be, uh, I, I vision a day where I can be responsible for the majority of like my food and my energy usage, you know, at least on like a small scale. We've got like chickens and an apple orchard and, so we're trying to work on getting like more animals and livestock and things like wow. that. So that's a, that's a pretty exciting project to, to be working on. Yeah. That sounds absolutely beautiful. Yeah. That's, that's my dream too. I'm also hoping to be able to move off grid and find a beautiful place someplace uh, that has fresh water and yeah. be off grid and just um, be able to really not depend so much on the international system, which I kind of feel is, very precarious right now like i was just in brazil and um right now sao paulo which is the most populous state in brazil and one of the biggest the city of sao paulo is actually running out of water what a nightmare yeah and so when i think about things like that i just feel like there's a real urgency that we're gonna have to figure out a solution fast and i don't really have a uh, a sense or a feeling of trust that our governments can really resolve this you know because they're these issues are so politically difficult to address. Like even right now, Sao Paulo has not even officially begun water rationing. 
yeah. you know, which is a you know big denial. So I, I really do commend the lifestyle shift that you're making. I'm yeah. curious. I mean, the only trust I have in any kind of government is I trust them to be consistently deceiving us. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. So I'm curious to know is what drives you in creating art? Do you feel like there in the art that you create there may be a message that you're trying to communicate or an intention that you are trying to convey through your medium? Love this episode? You can receive the transcript for free by simply texting Entheonation, that's E-N-T-H-E-O-N-A-T-I-O-N, to the number 44222. All you need to do is to reply to the SMS message with your best email address, and we'll send you the transcript and our guide to navigating visionary states for free as a VIP citizen of Entheonation. I have guiding principles mm-hmm. that are kind of the, you know, like the compass of, of my life, you know, mm-hmm. and they change sometimes, but I think the reoccurring ones are uh, truth, creativity, and human freedom. Mm-hmm. And so those are always elements that I'm trying to, messages that I'm trying to speak to, you know, and I try to filter the majority of my decisions kind of by that type of compass. Like mm-hmm. as an event, is there the ability to create more freedom for people? Am I able to like explore truth in this? And am I able to kind of share creativity and inspiration? You know, because inspiration is good too, but I think it's really like enthusiasm is what is more important to cultivate. You know, enthusiasm is the action of inspiration. Inspiration is just inspiration. Inspiration is, you know, inspiration and 50 cents will get you a bag of chips, you know, but an inspiration that actually motivates people into taking some kind of an action or you know i mean i think that i think that's what a lot of really great art does is it does something to you know make us question whatever kind of paradigm or system that we're in mm-hmm. it's pretty important for people you know and there's, a, and there's a huge need for there's a huge need for for that in the world you know there's a great need for for a real art that that kind of touches those things whether it's the sublime or the transcendent and even like the dark and the shadow i think that you know all different facets there's a space to be represented there for people so in your engagement with your community and your fans so what do you think are some of the most common themes that uh, people experience when they view your art themes around uh, how your art might inspire them to take certain actions mm-hmm. some of the themes that i've been focusing on kind of the last two years have been like a series of of these like archetypal like loving couples together mm-hmm. which is, would never been something i would have anticipated a few years ago that's what i'd be doing but i'm really fascinated by kind of the alchemy that images have you know as kind of like these visual talismans and what they can create mm-hmm. there's an image i did of this uh it's called union of these two lovers it's kind of become like my my free bird of of digital images <laughs> that's gotten out there so as far as pieces that i feel have had maybe like Messages that have the greatest impact, like me- an impact as far as almost like like measurable positive results in people that are not just necessarily like quote unquote like inspiration. The image, like the union image that I've done, it's been measurably the most popular image that I've created in the last few years, and I was saying it's kind of like my free bird of visual of a visual song. And uh, I know that this image has had a, a really deep impact in lots of people's life and their relationships. It's uh, created kind of a uh, like an archetypal, the highest version of the self within a relationship between a man and a woman, and it's created a, a deep amount of like you know a measurable increase in the amount of love a lot of couples have. And you know, I always kind of find it fascinating. You know, I know that whether it's like a, a print or whatever whatever version it comes out with, I know that it's just a piece of paper on the wall. Some puts into a frame, but you know the ability it has to change the vibration of a room, and if it can increase like the commitment and devotion and intimacy, like a couple has, like that's a pretty, that's a contribution that I feel good putting my name behind. And sometimes there's images that I make that, you know, speak to maybe maybe darker elements of of our society or our world or our government, and put it into kind of visual narratives. And those are also important images that 
you know, everybody, you know, with the nature of art, you, know, you kind of look at what are the what needs that the humans have. You know, a lot of people have a deep need to feel connected to something. You know, they want to know that, and everybody wants a voice. Everybody wants to be able to kind of scream out like into the void. You know, that they're here and, and identify with something. And art can really be that voice for a lot of people. That's why we see like a big phenomenon of people sharing images. You know, I've got a really, I've got an unbelievable community of fans that through Facebook is kind of probably the main portal I interact with people. And, um, you know, when I make images, it's not about like showing off or, you know, how cool this thing is or look at me. You know, I don't post a lot of photos of myself, you know, maybe because I'm shy or introverted. But, you know, my philosophy with sharing images is I want to be able to give, you know, the art that I make. It's like tools for people, you know, it's tools for them to gain a mirror. You know, it's like a mirror where they can get a deeper understanding of themselves. You know, some of the abstract things that I do, it, people look at it and, you know, whatever's going on in there, you know, the neocortex of like shape recognition, you know, that can give them some deeper insights into themselves. And, you know, I, when people like, and especially kind of like share the images that I do, you know, I'm trying to give them a deeper vernacular of a voice and a message for them to share. You know, when someone shares something, I think a lot of the times it's because they identify with it so much. They want to express themselves through the image with whatever their community is. You know, if they feel something they really resonate with, it's much easier to just hit a button and share something than it is to try to encapsulate that and write it into a paragraph because that takes time and Everybody seems like they're like 20 minutes late for something all the time. So I try to make people's that the, the job that people have to express themselves easier and more fluid and more creative. Mm -hmm. mm. Do you attribute any of your creative inspiration to work with entheogenic agents or visionary plants at all? Or would you say that most of your inspiration just kind of comes from your, your own natural state of consciousness i mean i got on the artist pathway before i was ever introduced to any type of entheans of any sort you know first creative experiences i had with entheans was uh around 15 16 i started experimenting marijuana and um what i appreciated about it is that i could still enter a very comfortable space of drawing and being creative but it would completely change the thought process i had you know it had a really drastic effect on my kind of problem solving skills a lot of times like making art and working with images like it is a problem solving experiment you like kind of create different problems and challenges and however you find the way to solve and come to a resolution is how the piece gets created and um i just really appreciated how it made me see the same thing from totally different perspectives you know it's like a lot of art is really seeing you know there's a technical aspect and an academic aspect of making images and anatomy and form, but really the way that someone sees the world is the greatest impact and influence on the art that they make. And so I've really appreciated the use of, I think some of the, some of the, the kind of the allies I've had in my path of being creative. Marijuana was one. LSD definitely is kind of, it kind of takes your, your, your neocortex like meaning making machine and puts it on steroids as far as like the insight that it's almost like that it kind of externalized my creativity you know i could just put down some random shapes and colors on a canvas or on a digital image and it was like i could almost see the image finish before i even started and um that was always really exciting but they're you know they're all different types of teachers you know i've, I've gained a lot of really powerful insights into image and shape and mark making on different heavy experiences and those are all th the things that i've learned you know far outlast you know the effects of these these experiences when they wear off so but it's uh i think with any type of tool like this that's so powerful they also require like a lot of responsibility mm -hmm. you know i kind of had to deal with myself that i would not think it, the only time i really entered into these entheonic entheon based states were you know my my sort of deal was like i would let myself indulge in this as long as i was being creative at the same time you know i'm not really much for taking a handful of drugs and like hitting the dance floor you know there's nothing wrong with that but i just it wasn't really my they can quickly get, become very hedonist hedonistic and i've done what i can to try to avoid that and try to like use them with as much respect as possible 
but yeah, all of my different experiences, they've, they've added a lot to, they've had a drastic effect on how I see the world. And like I said, how an artist sees the world is what dictates and narr narrates the majority of their, you know, the product that they produce. Mm. As an artist who basically accesses deep levels of creativity much more frequently than ordinary people do that have, you know, non-creative jobs, for example. Do you have any advice for us on how we can live more visionary lives? Mm, I don't know. I don't know that what I don't necessarily know what like a what a visionary life is. I don't know. Maybe I'm not really sure how I would define like a visionary life. It's, it's, I mean, the word seems, I might have a bias towards the word because it just gets thrown around so much. It start, I think for me, it starts to lose a little bit of its meaning, mm -hmm. you know, because it's like vision. We, I mean, I understand that, you know, the world works off of visions. You know, we need to, we think something before it comes into being and the, and our imaginations are an incredibly powerful tool for creating reality around us. You know, I definitely believe that, you know, consciousness is, is the first step in the building blocks of, this type of world. But I also think that when I think of the term like visionary lifestyle, it sounds like somewhat, it, it also seems like it could be like, like fantasy life. You know, if we're always just visioning and fantasizing about the world we want to live in, that's only half of, half of the battle, you know, like I would, I'd love for people to live like a more, you know, to take more responsibility for themselves and their resources and their impact and have like a very positively like impactful type of life. So Android, we're coming to the end of our segment and I'd love to leave you with my favorite question to ask in your experience as an artist and working with different uh, entheogens, what would you describe as your most far out experience? And were you able to capture that visually? Far out experience, like Far out, being out on of this entheans world. and making art at the same time. Because a lot of times what my practice was being in a really deep psychedelic state during the art process. That's one Ooh. thing that I think that's one thing that distinguishes my work from a lot of other of the, the visionary artists. I mean, many of them do, but my, you know, my personal sort of technique and ceremony was to kind of like Ulysses, kind of like tie myself to the mast of the Wacom pen and go as far out as possible. And I would use within the digital realm, my muscle, you know, I don't have to worry about linseed oil and paint and brushes. You know, I have the whole inner workspace of my software, like pretty mapped to my muscle memory. So I would be able to make art in that state and create this kind of like this feedback loop where as I'm working on the images, you know, I can actually see them in different dimensions. I can see them moving and I can see more space between all the layers. And so the the laptop screen or the monitor screen would almost literally figuratively kind of become a window into another dimension. And it was a very like co-creative act where I would put strokes down and then it would start changing. And, you know, there's many times where, you know, the goal within a lot of those is for really, you know, a lot of people, you know, get a little hung up on, on mediums essentially. But with this medium, you know, the goal I had was really to kind of like transcend and include and, you know, have everything else but the raw creative expression, like, totally dissolve. You know, if I can get into a state where, like, I dissolve my identity, my ego, everything goes away. I've had moments of, like, just being in pure communion with, like, the creative spirit. You know, like, no second guessing, no judging, no mental gymnastics of trying to understand or contextualize what's happening. But just being in this, like, free flow of creative not even exchange, you know, just like a, I guess, transmission would come through. But I guess like, I don't know, far out type of experiences. I've heard really, you know, I, I think for, for a number of years, I was really focused on kind of the, uh, that the quintessential death trip was really a big deal for me, you know, like kind of going to that place. And at first was with, you so know, what is it, what do you mean by quintessential death? Like trip? De you know, the shamanic journey, you know, through death where, you, whatever happens, whatever entheon you're on, usually, you know, kind of an ayahuasca or a DMT based would kind of get you there mm -hmm. where for all practical purposes, you know, the, the thinking machine considered like the meat body, like totally dead, you know, like, a, like my first ayahuasca journey, 
when I went into that, I didn't really know what to expect. And within 20, 30 minutes of the experience, some, the part of me had, I was, I was under the belief that I had definitely, I was pretty convinced I had definitely died and kind of went to another side, went into like a bardo state. And those are always really, they can be, you know, unbelievably terrifying states of mind to enter into. But, you know, I've had a few that follow, you know, a really beautiful kind of story arc of going to another side, seeing, you know, having like the full life review, I think are always really valuable experiences. You can kind of see that, you know, experiences that help me see my life as like a, I guess you can almost consider it like a fourth dimensional paint stroke through time. You know, as artists, we make, we have these little images that we make that serve as kind of like, you know, bookmarks into different experiences. But I think an artist's like true movement is his movement, like through time and space, you know, everything that he touches, everyone that he influences, every victory and triumph and failure like that is I think what really creates like the real masterpiece of our work. And um, in some of these states, during that life review of the death trip, you're able to to kind of see that or experience that in a way for the first time. So those have kind of been probably the farthest out that I've gone. And some of at the beginning, some of them can be like incredibly terrifying. But I've had, you know, this one that I had, I kind of went through this really like unbelievably terrifying sort of like a bardo state that needed to kind of rip everything that was me away and um, then I remember just like my consciousness is kind of being an infinite black space, like out in the out in the universe, like totally cold and alone. And that was also like, you know, whatever was left of me that had fear was in a state of like, you know, extreme terror around that. You know, I've been to places, you know, I've been to places that were just as real as this world and even more real, you know, mm-hmm. I've been places that makes this seem like a dream. Yeah. You know? Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And, um, are they typically good places or scary places or scary, both? scary places? Uh-huh. Yeah. They've uh-huh. been always really terrifyingly scary places. Well, it's uh-huh. that feeling is that feeling of being totally isolated, like mm-hmm. totally separate mm-hmm. from everything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and the fear I think I've had in those spaces is like, is this what it's going to be like forever? Like, is my consciousness just in this space for like the rest of all time and eternity? kind of a situation mm-hmm. and it kind of like it's like there's a moment and because it feels infinite it doesn't and sometimes that infinite that the infiniteness feels familiar which is mm-hmm. even more scary mm-hmm. you know i think that's mm-hmm. during kind of like the dmt experiences you know that that initial like what the hell did you just do it's just like rising <laughs> up it's like that archetypal like you've been here before like we know what's going on and uh but, you know, I'd sometimes, you know, like in that one experience, kind of being in like deep space, just there, my consciousness. And then there's a moment of like, well, I guess this is it. You know, maybe the books were wrong. Maybe I read the wrong books. Like, maybe this is just what happens. I remember that in the first time there was like after what felt like an eternity, it's like the sun just kind of came out or like there was a star and I could feel like the warmth on my back and that warm, that warm feeling was just like the infinite love of like all creation, like loving and forgiving me and that feeling of like oneness like overtook and that was how i kind of exited the psychedelic space like back into reality with the icaros and uh that was a pretty phenomenal wow learning curve for sure mm-hmm. is there any piece of art that you've created from that specific experience that communicates what you went through well you know there was that was my first ayahuasca experience in 2006 and i did make an image um, it didn't, it didn't really cover that part of the story. That one was called like the purge. I had a series of before ayahuasca, a lot of my work had a much kind of a darker feel to it kind of before I had this sort of what you would kind of call an awakening. And it was kind of an image of myself, kind of like a side view. And there's this like massive, like just huge, dark, organy, tumorish, just like <laughs> explosion happening from my stomach. And uh, that 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 illustrated like the initial part of the trip for sure, like just that that release of all those you know every every negative like interaction and judgment and any kind of sharp shadow or darkness that I was like identifying with the time, kind of seeing it come out and seeing that this is something that came out of you. So I, that I did that was that was something that really came through as kind of an illustration. 
And uh, I did an image called uh, Aya afterwards too that was kind of an image. It wasn't a vision I had of the Divine Mother, but it was more, as I went back into the memory, it was more kind of like the energetic experience of it. And the image ended up kind of becoming kind of like the like a calling card of mine. I still use a lot of it as like my my logo is kind of a I kind of keep it around so I can always kind of remind myself and kind of keep me humble, you know, and understand like you know I can kind of remember the you know I'm very very fortunate and very grateful for the wide variety of different experiences that you know Spirit and Creator has made available and intersected into my life well thank you so much for sharing with us these stories and your experiences and inspiration how can we best stay in touch with you android yeah i've got a website androidjones.com and uh, facebook android jones art is where i probably make the majority of new art and updates and uh you know i've got all the, the the newsletter and type of accoutrements that come along that Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you. And you have a beautiful rest of your stay in Costa Rica. You do the same. Yeah. Have a great day. Pura vida. Pura vida. Pura vida. So that was Android Jones, visionary digital painter and virtual reality artist. If you haven't had yet a chance to check out his work, you can easily view his gallery of amazing art at androidjones.com or search for mind-bending videos of his work on youtube.com. My takeaways from this interview is that there is profound information that's trying to reach us from the realms of non-ordinary awareness that artists may be more tuned into than the rest of us, but that we all have access to as human beings. If you enjoyed this episode, please do share entheonation.com with your friends on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, via email, and subscribe to us on iTunes, where we appreciate your honest ratings and reviews. I invite you to tap into your unconscious mind and the spirit world to inspire your day, your relationships, your life, and your work. If you need some help with that, please enjoy this track by Atya called Ancestors Speak, featuring vocals by Ishel Prisma Miao from his brand new album, Hot Off the Press, called Depth Perception.